0: Alright, we'll pray real quick so everybody will talk, quit talking. Stop talking. I'm kidding. Oh man, let's pray real fast. You know, I told, listen, I told myself I am not going to say that today. Stop. Alright, I gotta, I gotta improve here. This is bad news. Alright, let's pray real slow. You know, Father, we come to you today in the name of Jesus, and Lord, we just, uh, God, just in our own hearts, we honor your word today. We honor your word. Lord, we acknowledge, God, that from Genesis to Revelation, that it is God breathed, that it originated from your heart, and literally every word of it. And today, Lord, when we hear your word, we don't just hear it as, uh, suggestions, but Lord, we hear it in faith because we hear it as truth. And so, Lord, today, just let, uh, your word, just speak to our hearts very direct, very clear. Uh, Lord, we just invite you to remove all the clutter and, uh, and just really, God, we just open our hearts up wide, God, so you can fill it today. Thank you for your presence. Holy Spirit, thank you for being here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So, l- listen, for the next uh, few weeks, I want to talk about a subject in all honesty, it can be very difficult for some people to hear. The reason it can be difficult, maybe let me give you a quick analogy. Listen, most of us obviously growing up, we, we at some point probably fell on the ground and scraped our knee. Yes? All right. So, listen, listen I had a... I lived with my, my grandparents until I was four years old, and, and I remember uh, basically from time to time my grandfather uh, would want to go down the hill to go see Mr. John that lived at the bottom of the hill. I think that was his name. And, and I remember being two, three, four, five years old of trying to go down that hill, and there was a lot of loose gravel on the asphalt. And, and I don't think I, you know, probably it took me... I don't know, several attempts to go down that hill without falling on my face and scratching my knees up. And so, but, you know, literally almost every time I would get about a quarter of a way down and I would fall and then I'd have to turn to go back to the house for my grandmother. Right. And so uh, anyways, so here I am. I got all these wounds and boo boos all on my knees and uh, my grandmother. How many of you know that that there's not much like your grandmother's love? Amen. That that listen, it didn't matter how much my grandmother loved me when she touched that it hurt. Yes. And and that's the way probably the next few weeks are going to feel. Okay, that that literally it it doesn't matter. uh, You know, listen, that that God loves us tremendously. We all know that. Uh but there's times where he has to touch things so he can bring healing to it. And, uh, and sometimes when he touches them, we say, ouch, and, and it's okay for us to say, ouch, yes? So, so listen, the reason uh, this is going to be difficult and on another note is because it's going to cause us to either face or confront uh, some deep-rooted issues that are in our lives. And, uh, you know, obviously these issues, um, you know, we would probably all prefer that, that they would remain hidden. But how many of you guys know uh, stuff never remains hidden? Isn't that true? So, so listen, I think it's basically this, that unless if we address these things, basically it's going to slowly poison us. It's going to slowly affect every person around us in a negative way. It's even going to keep new and old relationships literally at a distance. And if we don't address this, this thing will continue to rob us of the peace and the presence of God that all of us want to have in our lives. And so the truth is... Because it can do all of that, I believe, this is my opinion, that, that the subject we're going to talk about is probably one of the greatest traps of the enemy. How many of you guys know we do have an enemy? Yes. yes. And so this is one of, one of his greatest traps. And it's not just... Uh, with people who are not saved, not Christians, this is probably his greatest trap with Christians. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been a believer now for probably, I guess, uh, 19 years or so, something like that. And, uh, if, if you're going to ask me to probably write down the number one thing that gets us, this would be the number one thing that I would write down. So, what's the, what's the trap? What's the subject we're going to talk about? It's this. It's offense. It's being offended. Okay? Listen, the word, the word, if you're taking notes, and I hope you are, the word offend means this. It means hurt, pain, wounds, or damage that leads to anger and resentment. We'll say that again. that it's hurt, pain, wounds, or damage that leads to anger and resentment. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Listen, the Greek language, the word offense, also means this. It means the trigger or the bait of a trap. The trigger or the bait of a trap. Now, we need to ask ourselves today, who was set a trap for us? Do we all agree that it would be the enemy? Watch this, because there's a good point here. OK, it's basically this recognizing that one truth, that one single truth is the first step to freedom. And the reason I say it's the first step to freedom is because as difficult as it may be to wrap our brains around it, we have to understand that the person that hurt us, the person that wounded us, uh, the person that offended us is not our enemy. But it's the spirit that motivated their actions that is. Amen. So, listen, I know that, and I'm just kind of chit-chatting here with you before we go. I I know we've kind of bumped up against this a few times over the past few months. There's a difference between really bumping something and turning and hitting that thing head on. And that's really what we're going to try to do over the next few weeks. And it doesn't mean that we're that we're some, uh, you know, screwed up bunch of people. It just means we're human. OK, it doesn't mean something's like terribly wrong with us. It's just bottom line. We live life and this is part of life. Are you all with me today? So, so basically this, I just want to approach this in a real honest and a vulnerable way, and I kind of want to preface it with this, that unless, unless you, and I am talking to you, okay, unless you try your best to connect your heart to God's truth and apply God's truth to this area of your life, you will never have the life change and the freedom Right in the healing that he desires to bring in your life. So there's a part today, and and, and I'm not saying that to be mean, but there's a part that we have to connect our own faith to. Yes, we have to say, okay, I'm going to be responsible for that. I'm going to own that and I'm going to grab a hold of that and I'm going to open my heart up wide and say, Holy Spirit, do only what you can do. See, a a different way to say that is this. Uh, There's a quote by John Bevere, and I've said it before, but but he said this. He said, what you will not confront will not change. What you will not confront will not change. So this is something today that we can't just kind of uh, do what we've all done, uh, try to hide it in the attic, try to put in the closet, try to hide it in the basement, in the box, far right corner. You you know, this isn't something that if we keep hiding, it's not going to just go away. Truth. So, you know, I kind of want to add something actually to what John said, where he said what you will not confront will not change. I want to say this, what you will not confront with God's truth and power will not change because it needs to be more than just talking about it we've done that to a lot of our friends but there's something about when did you go sit with God and go God what's your truth can you please make your power available for this because that's really the only way it changes yes so listen i, I recognize this morning that when because i've had plenty of conversations with people over the last 19 years that when you start talking about someone being offended most people initially and automatically say you know who me i'm not offended You know, so listen, today's really the the single purpose of today's message is really this. If there's by chance, by chance that we are offended in this room, then we just want to make room and say, Holy Spirit, please come and show me if I am. That's really the whole intent of today, uh, because we're probably going to talk about this three weeks and I want to talk about this in steps. And let me just kind of throw this out there. This is one of the reasons why it's really important that we're consistent and committed in our in our church attendance, because the way this guy is going to work, just kind of a heads up. I'm a very process oriented guy. We're going to talk about today because where we're going next week, because where we're going next week. And if you're if you're here and you miss the next three, then you miss you miss stuff. Yes. So try your best. I realize things happen. But just kind of encourage you to come and just grab a hold of it. All right. All right. So let's do this. I I know we prayed, but I want to pray again. I just want to intentionally us today, knowing what we're talking about, I want to invite the truth and the power of the Holy Spirit to walk through any walls that we may have up because when you're offended, you build walls. But just give him permission to walk through those walls today and invite him to bring the life change and the freedom and the healing that he desires to bring this morning. So if you don't mind one more time. Just close your eyes and let's just open our hearts up to the Lord in this area particularly. So, Holy Spirit, we come to you today and we just ask you in the name of Jesus to walk into this room. Lord, we invite you to walk through any wall that we may have up. Lord, we're so good at, at, uh, you know, of of what we really think and how we feel. And then we walk out our front door and, and, and putting on a different face so people can see something different. But, Lord, we, we know today is a safe place because it's your place. And so we just ask today that you would come and you would bring the freedom and the liberty and the life change and the healing that you'd so desired to bring for us today. And so, Lord, once again, we just say in our own hearts, individually, you have permission to touch and do whatever you want to do. Lord, we recognize that some of it might be painful, but, Lord, we know that that's part of the healing process. And so, Lord, we just thank you for your anointing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So let's start with this. Here's where the sermon's starting. All right. (laughs) All right. So throughout uh, basically the history of the United States of America, there have been uh, tragic, unforeseen events that have been forced upon us. And these events have woke us up. They've broken our hearts and they have definitely rallied us to a common goal again and again and again. And, you know, a few examples of this, uh, starting off this with the example of my grandparents generation. Their unforeseen event, their moment that was forced upon them happened on a Sunday morning. It was December the 7th, 1941. This is when Pearl Harbor was bombed by the Japanese Navy. We know from history that two thousand four hundred and two Americans lost their lives and another one thousand two hundred and eighty two were wounded. Now, after this tragedy, and we've all known this, but after that tragedy, literally men, women and children rushed to recruiting offices all around the nation to do what? To join the military. And, uh, you know, as a nation, we watch people lock arms and they willingly sacrificed, and in my opinion, probably more than they ever have before and never have even since. But why did they lock arms? Why did they sacrifice? Because they wanted to ensure victory over evil. Now, listen, the reason I'm saying that is because we should ask ourselves this morning what happened in the hearts of the American people. And it's simply this this is the point I want you to grab is they made a vow that they literally made a solemn promise fast forward 20 years from my parents. It was a Friday, November the 22nd, 1963. Once again, something was forced upon our nation. It happened in Dallas, Texas. This is when the 35th president of the United States, John F. Kennedy, was assassinated. You know, I, I remember talking to my stepdad, and he said that he can vividly remember sitting in his classroom when he heard the news. And he said that, and even some of you guys know where you were at, that, that literally that they when they heard the news, he said some of the students around the room started to cry. And then everyone was just kind of glued to the TV because everybody wanted to know the details of what happened and of course everybody was asking one question who did it but once again in the hearts of the american people they made a vow fast forward to something that's going to touch most of us in this room it was september the 11th 2001 we know that 19 terrorists basically from the group belonging to or they belong to the group what al-qaeda and what they do they hijack airplanes mid-flight right we all know that two planes crashed into the world trade centers brought them down twin towers whichever one you want to call them And then we also know that one hit the Pentagon, destroyed a good part of it. And then the fourth plane, we know it landed in Pennsylvania, it crashed. Okay, but in all in all, in that day, when something was forced upon our nation, nearly 3000 people lost their lives. Now, listen, most of us in this room, and you're even nodding your heads as we're talking, but most of us in this room, we know where we were at, what we were doing. Uh, we know who we were with, and we know exactly how we felt when we heard that news. Isn't that true? Yes. So, you know, for me and, you know, and Brian and a few other people in the room, you know, at that time we, we were living at, at Fort Bragg. Obviously, you were still in the Marines. And so there's a part where we literally watched our nation change like that. Because the whole city turned around. You know, the thing is, is when we saw when we saw those images, we saw those videos, literally everything just stopped. We were paralyzed. Why were we paralyzed? Because the truth is, is this stuff doesn't happen to us and it doesn't happen on American soil. Isn't that true? So once again, what happened is, is many responded. Even some of you here in this room, you responded, what, to join the military, Right. Every literally every branch. And there there was something that happened in the nation uh, that patriotism was revived in our hearts. There was a side. And don't get me wrong, but the American flag had meaning again. You know, and there was something about that literally as a nation, our battle cry became three simple words. United we stand. So and yet again, in our hearts, and this is really the point in our hearts, once again, we as the American people made a vow now, you see, these vows and these solemn promises that the American, made, American people made after each one of those events was simply this. And the whole reason I'm saying all this is that we vowed to never forget what happened to us. Isn't that true today? It is. So, l- listen, l- even from the simple fact, let me say this, that it's hard, even just talking about today, to escape the emotions of it. It's hard. And the reason is, the reason we don't escape that is because of vow that we made. Nobody, nobody got on Ash TV and said, hey, make a vow. It happened in our own hearts because we love our country. Yes? So watch this. And, and I think we would all agree not only about the vow, but we would agree that those events and others like them because we know that there's the Vietnam War. I mean, you, you can call it by, you know, have a Connecticut. There's so many things that could be on that list. But but all of those things, they've shaped and molded us into the Americans and American people that we are today. In other words, a part of who we are as Americans is because of those things. So, in other words, I'll just say it like this and we'll transition here. Those events changed our nation because they changed us. That's truth, isn't it? All right. So why am I saying all this? Okay. That might have been a little excessive. But why am I saying all this? Because I believe that not only has our nation as a whole, has it been dramatically, you know, marked and changed by tragic, unforeseen events. But I also believe that our personal lives have as well. Are you all with me today? Listen, I know that the unforeseen events of our personal lives didn't involve literal bombs, assassinations, and terrorist attacks, but there's a good chance it probably felt like it. And listen, I believe in the same way that we chose to respond nationally, we've responded uh, personally as well. In other words, we responded in the exact same way. In our heart of hearts, we made a vow, a solemn promise. This is the point of saying all of that, that we have said this to ourselves. I will never forget what they did to me. How many times have we, once again, maybe not said that, but we said that, that I will never forget what they did to me. But you see, the the difference here between the two vows is this. There's one vow where we're talking about the national vow. Basically, it produced courage, it produced sacrifice, and it and it and it produced unity. It it produced positive results in our nation. On the other hand, uh, when it comes to us, to our personal vows we've made, th- that's produced fear, self-preservation, and division. It's produced unhealthy, negative results inside of us. Now, listen, if we can be honest and we can be vulnerable this morning, not only with the Lord, but I think we also need to be honest and vulnerable with ourselves if we uh, could let down the walls maybe that we've built, if we could somehow take off the mask that we wear so well, uh, I think that we would admit that some of those past experiences have shaped and molded us into who we are today. In fact, I want to be so brave to say this, and please open your heart and hear this hear this uh, with good intentions from me, but I believe that some of us in this room are currently punishing the innocent people around us because of what someone did to us in years ago. That literally, the, that the people that are around us, that we are, you know, in, in a very maybe unintentional way, but because of the state of who we are, that we are punishing people basically, uh, you know, because of what someone else has done. Does that make sense to you today? It's like this. Here, let me give you an example. It's like because of something that happened with your, your first spouse, because of how that wounded you, now your new spouse is paying the price for it. uh, Watch this. Because someone touched you in an inappropriate way when you were a child, now your spouse is paying for it. Is that too truthful today? Is that not true? Is that not true? true. It is very true. But see, there's this underlining thing there, this, this underlining lie that says this. That if I can somehow build this wall big enough and strong enough, if I can somehow uh, put this mask on well enough that that, you know, it somehow in some way people are not going to hurt me again. That's wrong. It's wrong. It's a lie. Uh, that wall will never be able to build, be, be, be built big enough and good enough for that to happen. Amen. So, listen, I don't I don't know what it is today, but but for you, but, you know, maybe we'll go down a list here, but just. Today, and not to stir up anything, but just for remembering sake, just want to spark something. To give the whole, literally, just give room for the Holy Spirit. To, that we need to remember the time that things happened to us that shifted our hearts. And uh, maybe it was the time when a trusted friend backstabbed you, lied about you, gossiped, rejected you, or betrayed you. Maybe it was time a co-worker did you wrong, threw you on the bus to make themselves look better from the boss. Maybe it was the time your spouse broke your heart, dropped a bomb on you. Maybe it's when they said, hey, I don't love you anymore. I love somebody else. Maybe it's when they said, look, I got a porn addiction. I got whatever it is. Maybe it was the time that one of your family members assassinated your character. Maybe it's the time that your mom and dad decided to call it quits. Maybe it was a time when a parent abandoned you, chose to keep you at a distance, or used you for their own personal gain. Maybe it's the time when someone touched you in an inappropriate way and said, shh, that's our little secret, Or maybe it's a time when you became a victim of physical or verbal abuse. Or maybe it's a time somebody in church leadership or someone that you considered as your church family, a brother and sister in Christ, when they disappointed you greatly. Maybe it was a time when you felt like God didn't care, that God didn't come through and he just flat out let you down. You do realize we can be offended with God too, right? Listen, gang, it doesn't really matter the circumstance Whatever's on that list, we can still remember the emotions. We can still remember the words that were said. We know the actions that were aimed at us, and we know them really well. In fact, we probably rehearsed them thousands of times over in our head. Listen, I, I personally remember uh, several years ago, one of our youth camps. I remember sitting in the altar, literally. There, I was watching a young man worship in the altar, and there was people, you know, getting rocked by God all over the place. And just as I looked at this young man, the Lord spoke to my heart and said, uh, said, basically, he's angry with his mom for leaving him. In fact, I believe the word that he's angry at his mom because uh, he feels like she abandoned him. Now, here's what's wild about when I heard that is mom didn't walk out. Mom died. Mom died six months earlier, 37 years old from cancer. A really dear friend of ours. And when I heard the Lord say that, I, you know, obviously the Lord doesn't say something to you in those moments to just go, okay. But as the leader, I knew there was something I needed to address with that young man. And, and it was literally in the, in the thoughts that we all have in that moment, it's either this, okay, this is about to go uh, really well because it's God and it's something powerful is about to happen. Or because you've got to know the young man, either he's going to get really mad and try to punch him in the face and I'm going to lose every bit of credibility with him. So I remember as I went over to that young man, and I called him by name, and I said, man, here's what the Lord, what I feel like the Lord is saying. And when I said it, I mean, it was uh, so instantaneous. I, I, I can't even really, words don't really do any of this justice. This kid broke, and he collapsed in my arms, and he just cried and cried and wept. And from that point, I led him in a prayer base to release his anger, not only towards his mom. You get that to release anger from his mom, but also at God and the power of God hit that kid. And that kid literally on that day, I watched it shift from going, Here's an angry, bitter young man. What, what the Lord really just said, This is what's in his heart. That's what I saw, what was in his heart. And I, but I literally watched as he laid there on the ground, just the healing of God and the life change of God and the power of God and the freedom of God come and just deliver him. Are y'all with me today? Really, here's the point that I'm trying to make, and, and once again, we, we might have touched that on the, that, that list of things. maybe we didn't. There, there, we're all in such different spots in life. But, but here's the one thing I do know is that there may be a lot of things on our list that we have vowed to never forget, but the pain is the same. it all hurts. It could be a whole host of things, but it still hurts. They all still wounded us deeply. They all shifted something in our hearts. They all caused us to change in an unhealthy way. Uh, let, let me maybe say it this way. They all they all have caused us not to trust as much. They, they've left us literally picking up the pieces, trying to figure out where things went wrong. And really, when you're the victim, here's what you really think. Where did I go wrong? Where did I go wrong? And, and watch this. It's, it's kind of a... A thing that on those days, if you can think and you can remember that, unfortunately, in many of those days, that past experience now became a filter that you now have to process every new event, every new relationship through. It has to go through that. And that's why when my first wife did this, then I'm not I'm going to basically hold back who I am for my second wife because of what happened there or a past relationship or whatever. It could be a past friend. It could be a past job. You, you just name it. There's these past experiences that that basically that I have walked through that have made me somehow, um, you know, basically shrink back into me and protect myself in a way that's very unhealthy. And the reason it's unhealthy is because all these people never get the best of me. They never get who I really am. I'm never walking in my real identity. See, here's what I think is probably the craziest part about all of this is most of our pain and most of our disappointment. And you're going to find out this is really true, that most of our pain and most of our disappointment can be traced back to someone that we care deeply about. Most of the time, it's not a stranger that does something to us like that. Most time, it's somebody we have opened our hearts. We've let them into our lives, and we said, "You know what, man? Here I am," and, and it didn't go well. Is that truth today? Listen, you, you, once again, if you're taking notes, write this down. The closer the relationship, the more potential it has to damage us. The closer the relationship, the more potential it has to damage us. Let me bring up a verse that I've kind of that I've kind of mentioned. A few times, uh, but I actually want to read and I'm going to read in a very unique translation. This is actually the new century version. I don't even know really what that is, but, but that's what we're going to read. This is from Psalms 55, verse 12 to 14. I want you to hear how King David put it. Watch this. It says it was not an enemy insulting me. He said I could stand that. It was not someone who hated me, I could hide from them. That actually means that I could put a guard, a shield up, and I could protect myself from them. But it means, it says in verse 13, it says, But it is you, a person like me, my companion and good friend. We had, notice the word, we had a good relationship or good friendship and walked together to God's temple. So, real fast lesson here. In this chapter, David is writing from his own personal experience, that David is literally uh, walking out. He is going down the road. He is writing about a time that when one of the people uh, closest to him betrayed him. And theologians agree that David is writing this psalm in reference to uh, a man that was his counselor, a man that was his close friend, and that guy's name, and I may say it wrong, but his name is Ahithophel. And Ahithophel basically was one of the men that was, that was in David's inner circle. This was the guy that knew David's secrets. This was the guy that David confided in. Are you getting the point here? Okay. This is the guy that he led in. He opened his heart up to him. And and so what, basically what we're seeing is that Psalm 55, basically you, you have to, you have to tag that to 2 Samuel 15 to get the whole picture. And you just kind of jot that down. But, but we find out in, in 2 Samuel chapter 15, we see that Absalom, this is David's son. That he is attempting to take the kingdom away from David. Anybody know that story? Wave your hand up if you know the story, okay? It's okay if you don't. But listen, it's in that process of his son betraying his son, literally trying to kick him off the throne so he can become the new king. It was in that process that David finds out that his old buddy Ahithophel was one of the men counseling his son, Absalom. So watch this. So, so he's counseling him in this revolt against him. And David finds out that Ahithophel had turned on him. He had betrayed him. And he was slandering his name to all these people. Literally, that he was going around the kingdom. And he was whispering in people's ear. And he was telling them negative things about David. Lying about him. Lying about his character. All these things to try to get people to turn their hearts away from David to go follow his son Absalom. So watch this. Let me say this because I think this is pretty wild. Um, I looked up the name Ahithophel, because you guys know I kind of have to do those things. And, and his name actually means this. His name means brother of ruin. Holy smokes. <laughs> his name is brother of ruin. So this psalm that we have in Psalms 55, this is David's response to that situation, to his friend basically just, just let me say this, a person that he thought was a friend just basically jetting on him. And so when we're reading the scripture, what I love about David is because there's these moments you just get honest, pure, raw emotion. He just says, here it is. And uh, so if we keep reading in Psalms 55, we find out exactly how David feels now after finding that out, how he feels now about his good buddy, Ahithophel. Look at verse 15 through 19. It says this, let death take away my enemies. This guy was his good buddy. The verse prior. And now he's saying, this guy's my enemy. And he says, let them die while they are still young because evil lives with them. Verse 16, but I will call to God for help and the Lord will save me. Morning, noon and night, I am troubled and upset, but he will listen to me. Many are against me, but he keeps me safe in battle. Relational conflict, he calls it battle. Good point. Verse 19 says, God, who lives forever, will hear me and punish them. Selah. God will hear me and punish them. Let me let me put this in modern day terms for you. David is saying basically this. God, I'm right. They're wrong. Drop the hammer on them. That's basically what he's saying. He's he's sitting there saying, God, get them. Don't let them off the hook. God, in fact, would you please let me get even? Read the story. It's not quite so that dramatic, but you get the point. So he's literally, he's literally saying this. God, look at me and you will see that I'm justified in how I feel. God, you know I should be offended. Surely, God, you understand the situation. You see those people, what they're doing against me. Surely you're giving me permission to be angry, to be bitter, and to be resentful. Anybody ever felt like that before? Come on, wave your hand at me. I can wiggle some toes, wiggle some fingers. You that aren't raising your hands, I admire you because you're greater in the spirit than I am. OK, but, but listen, when somebody when somebody does you wrong, um, that little redneck from Alabama wakes up really quick with me <laughs> It does. And uh, so, listen, if we recognize it or not, and here's once again, we're just kind of setting the stage for what we're going to talk about the, for the next two weeks. But if we recognize it or not, we put more expectations some realistic, and I have to say some unrealistic, on the people who are closer to us and even than God. Get that? We put these unrealistic expectations and realistic on people and even we put it on God, right? Meaning, meaning this. Here, let me maybe be more clear. If I have a relationship with Ben, my expectation level is going to be here, uh, you know, a lot higher than the random person that's in the, whatever, the dairy section of Hannaford's. Yeah. True. That's what I'm saying. OK, watch this. A- and when we feel like the bends of our life haven't held up to their end of the bargain, we get offended. Right. The- the, you know, whatever the, the crazy person that- that's in going to say something, whatever. Pfft. I'm going on. Where's the X? You-, you know, you-, you move along. But there's something about when it's a trusted friend, it, it goes a whole lot deeper. So listen, gang, there's really here's what I'm saying, that there's not really a one of us breathing in this room that has escaped the trap of offense. It's not a one of us that have. And if we would stop and just uh, maybe think for a second. None of us are going to escape from offense. and, And if we think that we are, we are wrong. Let me let me go a little bit, a little bit clearer here. If I think that I'm going to find a spouse that I'll never be offended with, good luck. <laughs> you seem to holler occasionally. Anyway, so, li- listen, if you, if you think for a second that you're going to find a job where everybody is in peace and harmony 24 7, good luck. Where you're not going to get offended. If you think that you're going to have a relationship of some sort, okay, it's not going to happen. If you think you're going to find a church where, where you know, people don't get offended, good luck. It's impossible. Are are y'all following me? Literally, there's nowhere that you're going to go in life. Let let me even even set it up for this, because some of you guys' kids in this room have hurt you deeply. Do you think that you're going to be able to raise a kid with a fallen nature and think that you're never going to get offended? I've had my eight-year-old and seven-year-old cut me deep. I can't, you know, we're not even teenage years yet, but I worked with those suckers so long. Listen, I know it's coming. <laughs> yes? So, so the truth is, listen, once again, we have these expectations, realistic and unrealistic, and we wonder why we get so bent out of shape all the time. It's because it is impossible to escape offense. Truth? Now, how do we know that? We know it because Jesus said it. In Luke seventeen one he said this. This would be great for everybody to know. Says in Luke seventeen one, Then he said to his disciples, Are we his disciples? Yes. Yes. He said, It is impossible that no offense should come. Look, he created this thing, and he is saying it is impossible that no offense should come. In other words, Jesus is saying it is impossible to live this life without being offended. And if you think you can, good luck. Amen. So let me maybe say this to you today. The question for us today really isn't will we ever have the opportunity to be offended? OK, we, we were offended as children, we were offended as teenagers, we're offended now. Right. It's like go through a month without your wife or, or, your, or your husband offending you. Right. It's Just facts of it. So the opportunity, that's not the question, if we'll ever have an opportunity or not. Rather, the question is this, is how will we respond once we are offended? That's the real question where we're trying to get to. How are we going to respond once we are offended? Because our response, please get this deep in your heart, our response to an offense determines our future. I said it. Our response to an offense determines our future. So let's be honest. How we have responded to the offenses of our past have determined who we are and where we are today. Let me even be let me even be so blunt to say this. How we have responded to the offenses in the past to our spouse determines the health of our marriage today. With our best friend, with our kids, at our workplace. Once again, it goes all through it. What it is like when we walk through those doors here You you know, did we walk through the doors this morning to carry a fence to half the people in the room, or did we walk in just, man, I'm so happy to see everybody? Hang out a little while. You'll have an opportunity to walk in and hate half the people in the room. Listen, once again, listen. It's not because there's bad people in this room, it's because we're all human. And listen, and we're all in a process of becoming more like Jesus. And when you're walking through that process, ugly shows up a lot. Yes? <laughs> it's truth. I've been in church too long. It's truth. All right. I, I just come out sweetie. I you know, the, the days the days of walking through the church door and putting on a mask and blessed and highly favored of the Lord. And knowing you just argued and fussed and fought your whole morning on the way to church, let's get real. If we listen, if we can get real, Jesus might show up a little more. Amen, amen. So listen. um, Once again, how we've responded to those offenses in the past have determined who we are today and where we're at, even even where we're at spiritually. So, did we respond in fleshly ways? Did we respond in anger and bitterness and resentment and revenge? Did we give them the old eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth kind of deal? Did, did we give them the cold shoulder, the old silent treatment, or did we act like they no longer exist? I'm going to show them. Did we do that? We probably have at some point. Be honest, yeah? Solomon Hannaford's, I don't know why, Charles, Walmart. And you said, I'm going down another aisle. Listen, you know, where where this is really probably the strongest is really with uh, our families. And, uh, you know, I say at least for, for, for my crew, right, for my crew down in Bama, roll tide, for those people down there, man, offense has ate our lunch for years as a family. Not me. Thank God I'm removed from those people. Right? There's times where you're glad that you live, uh, you know, whatever, 24 hours away in a, in a car drive. I think maybe longer than that. But anyways, long ways. So, but, but I have literally watched my, my brother walk past my dad and stepmom, literally this in Walmart. Stand right there for me, please. In Walmart, and Walmart's. Let me give it to you. Turn. Sorry, old people call it, they put the S on. Alright, can you turn towards me? Literally, this is what they did at Walmart. to his own mama are y'all following me because of one word offense I'm going to show them yeah I thank God it's not like that anymore but even that same family listen I I got four brothers okay no sisters explains a lot I know so um, (laughs) but I have one brother that lives less than a mile from the other and they went a year without talking because they were mad at each other how stupid right you know, there comes a point where you go, either Jesus is Lord or he's not. Amen. So do we respond in a fleshy way or do we respond in God's way? In God's way, really just trust him with the situation and it forgives the person who offended them in faith. And we'll talk about that more later. But, but that thing right there that we're talking about, that's what really determines the condition of your heart. That's it. That determines condition. And listen, it, let me say it this way. This may sound crazy to you, but, but I have met people that can, that can walk you through the Bible like nobody's business. I mean, they can shuck it. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they can bring from Genesis to Revelation in five minutes. And, they, and when it comes time to pray, they can pray the house down. <clears throat> but a certain situation comes up about so-and-so, and they lose their mind. That part shows their true maturity in the, in the faith. Not the other part. Yes? But because, see, part of this, and I'm even challenged with this, part of what really shows our maturity in the kingdom is how we process and work through offense. Not all those other things. Because there are certain things that, that you just don't worship your way through. And this is one of them. You can, you can go, go Shondi and you can get your praise on. You can shabak all day long. Right? <laughs> But, but the rubber's going rubber's to hit the road at one point. And you're going to have to deal with that. And that shows really where you're at. And here's the reason I feel so compelled to say this. is because this is really becoming a, a roadblock for some of us in our walk with God. L- listen, though, we, wonder, we wonder why am I still at the same spot that I've been in in the last five years? Hit the rewind button and see where you got offended. Is that too honest? But listen, we, we wonder, God, where are you at? Where's your presence? What are you offended with? God, why aren't you speaking to me? What are you offended with? What, what's, the, what's the roadblock? What's the thing that's clogging the, the pipes of heaven from getting to you? That's where it gets real, right? It, listen, and I don't know why I keep saying this, but, but God, why, am I, why are we not having a, a good marriage? Why are we not having fun in our marriage? God, why is there no life in our marriage? Hit the rewind button. and Listen, until you confront it, it will not change. Yes, you want your situation to turn, then you've got to go meet it where it's at. And you got to go, okay, Holy Ghost, do heart surgery. Yeah? So, let me say this, and, and, we'll, and we'll attempt to land this thing in about the next ten minutes. Maybe less than that. But but I remember one time when I was going through a really difficult spot. In fact, let me just kind of add to this. Because I told you guys about that time that I was sitting in that church and that prophetic guy said, Hey, Quinn, come here. And I go over there and he dropped the bomb on me. Right? And part of that bomb was unforgiveness and being offended. And once again, he didn't have to tell me any names. I walked back and I sat in my seat and I knew the names. And here's what's so interesting. I'm going to warn you as we really get honest with the Lord with all this. When you start doing your business with God and saying, God, help me, help me forgive, help me to to, uh, you know, forgive in faith, help me to release those people. All these things that we're going to talk about in the next few weeks. Be ready because more offenses are going to come. Because when I started walking through that process, it was like people just started coming out of the woodworks doing stuff that was very out of out of uh, kilter, out of nature for them towards me. Not maybe towards other people, but towards me. And I had and I had a greater opportunity. It, it was like my offense was with this person, this person, this person. I was working through that. And then my list added to this person, this person, and this person. And my prayer time of working through those people, it just kind of multiplied. I made my prayer life go to another level. You know what I'm saying? It, it kept me in the closet just to touch more. Am I making sense, you guys? And the reason is, is because the enemy doesn't want to let us out of the trap. That's why. He wants to keep hold of us, right? He wants us to keep us in that spot for 20 years so we can't be pr- uh, productive and fruitful for the kingdom. So I was in one of those difficult spots. And the truth is, I was really offended with certain people in my family. Okay? I, I was. And, and it, really, just, it really had nothing to do with what... Um, I always get so nervous because I don't know who's going to listen to these things. All right? So... Um, I don't know why. But I think, anyways, whatever. All right? So, so, but I was, I was offended with my stepmom, not because of something necessarily she did to me. It was because of what she said about my mom. Oh, yeah. What'd you say about my mama? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Word. Are y'all feeling me? It's, it's like so. So for years there was so, and, and and so, and I and I knew, in the backburn that I knew she lied about me. She said certain things about me that just weren't true. And, uh, you know, I didn't live with them. And she assumed certain things that were very inaccurate. Just I'll say it in a very nice way. She liked to tell a lot of people. okay? And so I was pretty offended with her. And then I had a guy that I used to live with and work with that I got pretty offended with because he changed uh, the way he was security. I'm playing. Anyway, so. So, listen, I I was offended with with these people, my family. I was offended with a few of my friends. And then the people that kind of got added on that was a few pastors I was working with. OK. And so, you know, most people, uh, they would have came along and if I would have shared my story and gave my pity party and all that stuff, they'd have patted me on the back and said, Quentin, you, you're so right. You have a, you have a reason. You, you know, it's OK. You should feel like that. You ever had those people? Yeah. You, you should feel like that. Look, you, the truth is, Quentin, they did you wrong. And the only problem with that was, is that's not what God said and that's not what God did for me. He didn't come along and pat me in the back and say, oh, Quentin, it's okay. He did the exact opposite. And that's really what he wants to do with all of us, yes? yes? So, listen, as I was studying the Bible one day, I was praying, God used a particular passage to reveal, once again, I'm going to use it, the condition of my heart. And I want to share that passage with you in closing today. It's uh, Matthew 18:21 through 35. It's kind of lengthy, but hang in there with me, okay? And hopefully you can, you can follow along on the screens. But it says this. And, and we might delve a little bit more into this later. I'm not sure. But it says this in, in verse 21. It says, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Sounds pretty noble, doesn't it? But I want you to notice something. Notice that he didn't say, God, how many times should I forgive a stranger? He said, my brother. Got more personal, didn't it? So, so, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times. He's talking about basically in one day that if, that if he comes and he offends him seven times, God, should I forgive him all seven times? And then Jesus answers, says, I tell you, not seven times, but seventy-seven times. The accurate translation of that is seventy times seven. That's the accurate translation. So not seventy times, but four hundred and ninety times. In one day. Jesus has a way to blow our minds, right? And so, listen, it, I, I'm not Jesus, but I'm just going to tell you, if somebody offends you 490 times in one day, just get away from them, all right? <laughs> I mean, that that would be... Just go ahead and get free from that. You, you, it's, it's obvious you two are not compatible, all right? All so. right. Uh, All right. So so after this, Jesus basically decides to take Peter to school and us likewise. Okay, so he shares a parable in verse twenty three. It says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king. Who's that? It's him. Right. It says who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. Who's the servants? That's us. Says as he began the settlement, the king, a man who owed him ten thousand talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold, basically that they would sell the, the uh, basically their goods and then they would sell them into slavery to repay the debt. And this says in verse 26, it says, The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. Verse 27 says, The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Are y'all with me today? Verse 28 says, but when that servant, the one who just got forgiven, when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants, this person just like him, who owed him a hundred denarii, says he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell on his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. Does that sound familiar? It's the same thing the other dude just said. Says, but he refused instead. In other words, he, re- he refused to be patient with him. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. Verse 31. Says, when the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Uh oh. Says, then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant. He said, I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. says, so shouldn't you have had mercy, somebody say mercy, shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger his master, turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. Verse 35 says this, last verse, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Alright, so watch this, here's what the Lord began to deal with me, okay, because I read that story before just like most of you have probably read it. But here's the revelation that came to me, is I realized that when we talk about the first servant, uh, basically, that, that was brought to the king, which represents us in the story, that he owed 10,000 talents. And obviously, talents is talents and denarii was the money or the currency of the New Testament, okay? So it's not talking about your gifts. as people preaching church. It's talking about money, all right? So the second servant owed, the, uh, owed what? The first servant 100 denarii, all right? So despairs from a whole lot of math. Here's basically what it breaks down to. Theologians believe that 10,000 talents, if you equal it up to our day, and then you can give some variation because obviously money fluctuates. But the first servant, the guy that represents us, owed $12 million. Help me, Jesus. Right? $12 million. Now, the fellow that he went out and choked and demanded for him to give him his money Owed him a hundred denarii, that equals to our money today to fifteen dollars. 12000000 15 bucks. If you need fifteen bucks, see Doctor Ben; he'll give it to you. All right, <laughs> that's easy. See twelve million? Go pray. All right, here we go. But li- listen, here, here's what I realized. Okay kind of jump ahead here i realized this that god was saying quentin i have forgiven you of this 12 million and you're getting angry and you want to choke some dude that owes you 15 bucks in this little petty offense are y'all listening to me see see the the 12 million over there basically this it represents our hopelessness and our inability to pay god back for what he's forgiven us for in other words, it was such a hopeless number, there was no chance that that guy would have the opportunity to pay it back. In fact, as something that I read. I think it, he had had to work like 160 years to even pay back that money. It wasn't going to happen. He wasn't going to live that long. There was no chance he was going to pay that back. And, and so, but over here, you know, we were talking about the $15. That shows us, once again, I want to use the word because this is what it is, the pettiness of our grudges and our offense that we hold on to, once again, in comparison to what he's forgiven us for. Are y'all hearing me today? So, listen, when God came and said, hey, Quinn, let's really talk about this. That list you got, that's what it equals up to compared to what I've done for you. And here's what I realized in the condition of my heart. was basically this, is that, is that I was violating grace. Maybe mercy is the better word, but basically it was it was simply this, is that, is that I was unwilling, and that's really the word, that I was unwilling to give to these people on that list what God gave to me. And that's where this thing gets really difficult for Christians. Isn't it amazing to think that we as Christians, we that understand forgiveness better than anybody, have a hard time forgiving ourselves? That's so true, isn't it? Because, bottom line, that's part of the, the, the fallen nature, part of the old nature, the old man that still resides within us, that, that needs to be nailed to the cross. Yeah, and I'm talking about me included, okay? Um, you, you know, ah, whatever. Here we go. I only say that. So let me show you real, something real fast. We're going to pray, okay? Um, basically, because I think we need to know it, grace is this. Grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. Isn't that true? It's what we don't deserve. Salvation would be a part of that. The opportunity to go to heaven. The gift of the Holy Spirit. You name it. There's, once again, it's love. It's all these, the peace, joy, all that. But mercy is God not giving us what we do deserve. It's Him not giving us what we do deserve. What do we deserve? And I'm not trying to be all, all, you know, pessimistic, pessimistic and Debbie Downer, but the bottom line, we all deserve to go to hell. We deserve punishment, we deserve that we deserve what Jesus got on the cross. And he said, "You know what, I love you so much, I'm going to give you mercy, I'm not going to give you what you deserve, I'm going to put it on my son. Yeah? So that's what he was saying really to me, and I hope you're getting this today, okay? I just wanna, I just wanna walk us through and go, okay, where's our heart really at? Okay, wh- what are the, what are the people that we still have angst against? that we still are trying to, eh, whatever, cold shoulder, all these things. But basically God wants us to know this, son or daughter, I want you to extend mercy to those people that have offended you, and I want you to forgive them in the same way that I've forgiven you. That's the challenge. Yes? Are y'all with me today? That's the difficult part. In the same way. And and listen, there's nowhere there's nowhere in that and there does God say, Hey, look, the truth is they didn't treat you you know, they didn't treat you wrong. Or they didn't treat you right. In other words, he doesn't acknowledge the fact that you shouldn't be hurt. He just says, You know what, I expect more from you because my spirit lives in you. Amen? Stand to our feet, please. Next week we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about really what forgiveness is. And then we're gonna to try to work the process. So I'm I'm not today, okay? I'm not going to today to go. Okay, well, let's pray about this. I want you to understand what you're praying about before we pray about forgiving people. So I want us to have a a greater a greater concept, a greater meaning of, of not just this, uh, because because people tell you, people tell you, uh, you know, look, we we were actually talking about last time we met in the men's group of going, hey, just forget it, move on. You you don't really forget it, right? And so, listen, God has the ability to forget, and we'll talk about that, but we really don't, okay, unless we bump our head really good and and don't remember our name or our mama or our birthday. Other than that, there's things you are going to be memorable, but once again, it's the condition of your heart that's with it, and that's what we're going to talk about, uh, you know, over the next two weeks. Is that all right with you all? It's good, because I'm going to talk about it anyways. All right, so... Here you go. All right. He wants me to read this. I'm going to read this to you. Here we go. It says, change is one of the most difficult things that we face, but change is inevitable. One reason we don't like change is we get comfortable where we are. We get used to our friends, our job, the place we live. And even if it's not perfect, we accept it because it's familiar. What happens is, because we're not willing to change, we get stuck in what God used to do instead of moving forward in what God is about to do. Preach, preacher. All right. Just because God's blessed you where you are doesn't mean you can just sit back and settle there. You have to stay open to what God is doing now. What worked five years ago may not work today. That's truth. If you're going to be successful, you have to be willing to change. Every blessing is not supposed to be permanent. That's better than anything I said today. All right. (laughs) Every provision is not supposed to last forever. We should constantly evaluate our friendships. Who's speaking to your life? Who are you depending on? Make sure you're not dragging you down, limiting you from blossoming. Everybody is not supposed to be in our life forever. If you don't get rid of the wrong friends, you will never meet the right friends. Amen. That's good. Awesome. Awesome. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word today, and uh, Lord, thank you for the, the just the, the truth, God, that you made available for us today. And uh, Lord, we just ask, God, even, even just in preparation for over the next few weeks, God, that you begin to prepare our hearts, God, for life change, prepare our hearts for freedom, prepare our hearts, God, just for healing, prepare our hearts to let things go, God, that we've been holding on to for years. Father, we pray, God, that you'd begin to teach us how to respond to offense in a a right way, in a godly way. Father, we pray, God, that you'd begin to just, just even now, God, begin to take the the Holy Ghost plow and begin to plow up the, the fallow ground of our heart. God, so you can do what only you can do. And so, Lord, today, I just thank you for everyone, the people that are here. Thank you for speaking to them. Thank you for guiding and directing them to a place, God, where you desire for them to be. God, to walk in your fullness, to walk in your grace. Father, thank you, God, for just making a way for us to hear your voice, know your voice, to know your will so we can walk in it. And so just as we talk over the next few weeks about forgiveness and what that means, not from an earthly perspective, but from a heavenly perspective, of what it really means to be forgiven. And by you and what it really means to, guess, really your expectation uh, for the level of forgiveness you want us to walk in towards other people and the grace and the mercy to extend to other people. Just thank you for coming and open our eyes and open our ears and open up our hearts for revelation and truth to come, God, for life change. And so, Lord, today I just bless your people. Lord, I know that there's people uh, that are sick in their bodies. God, even some of them couldn't be here today because of things they're struggling with. Thank you that you're the healer, God, even as we sang earlier today. God, you are the healer. You are awesome in your power. And, Lord, we pray today, God, that you would heal their bodies. God, we pray that you would heal people emotionally, mentally, and physically today. Father, we just bless your people. God, and bless what you've called them to do. Thank you for hunger in their hearts and a passion for your name, God, that resides within them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.